Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. Such, a, such an incredible song. Just go through the highlights of the gospel message. Amen to that. I'm a little heavy-hearted right now. Um, there's a part in the song that just, you know, talks about because of Christ's death and resurrection, when we die, and we know we can be resurrected too, right? You know, but I'm heavy-hearted. Uh, you know, last night, my cousin passed away, and uh, we had just gotten, we started to get a little close. So I'm a little heavy-hearted, so I, I'm trying to make excuses. I just need your prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm just really, I'm really heavy-hearted. He was an incredible guy, and loved seeing him worship the Lord over here and stepping out and finding Jesus later in his life. Amen. So Father, help us today. All of us are probably heavy-hearted with something. And uh, we get to praise the Father, the Son, and the Spirit despite of the trials we're going through. Thank you for life. Now and eternal life as well. You're an incredible, incredible God. We put this service and this theme in your hands, in Jesus' name, amen. Grab a seat, grab a seat. Give a high five, grab a seat. Give somebody a kiss. Open Ephesians chapter six, maybe Acts chapter two as well. Rock Church, throughout the years, our theme reveals Sunday has always been an exciting time, you know? And I, I can tell you guys are excited because six of you Seem really fired up. Praise the Lord. I'm okay with that because Jesus had 12 and he turned the world upside down. Amen. Last year's theme, wake up. I really believe it, it, it was a prophetic word. I really believe that for us and maybe even more importantly for the whole church. I mean, the church needs to wake up. You know, in a lot of different areas. I won't summarize that today. But where last year's word was kind of a, a, a prophetic word, I believe this year's theme is more of a strategic word. More of a strategic word. And I just thought that before we got into our theme, um, you know, we talk a little, we talk a little strategy. We get into some strategy and what that what that really means. So if you're taking notes, number one is what is a strategy? What is a strategy. Lots of great definitions out there. I got a couple for you I'll share today. Um, I would describe strategy as a plan of action, right? It's a plan of action. And I would say more specifically, it's a plan of action designed to achieve an important goal or mission. Some may think strategy might have some value. You know, it's just really, really, it gets, it's, it's very underrated sometimes in our lives and in our churches. Um, Different endeavors have different strategic plans, right? Um, like in sports, they're obviously you've got to be strategic. Real quick, just not, I'm sort of over it, but not totally. Like when I watched that Michigan football game a week a week or so ago, I can handle all the mistakes that they made, like 644, you know, one for every law. Uh, but it, the thing that made me the most upset was they, they shifted their 
incredible defensive strategy to a whole different defensive strategy, and that is still bothering me today. Amen? And that's why we had a week of prayer this last week. Just kidding. All right. Uh, some other strategies out there would be uh, businesses. Man, you, you better have a strategic plan. Market and sell your product, right? Um, politicians have plans to sell an ideology, right? Uh, I'm just going to go there. It's kind of hard to talk about because as many of you are still fasting, but do you have no plan going to a buffet? You have planned to fail, all right? And if you don't think that the people who set up the buffet didn't have a strategy to put the salad first, I want to talk about demonic activity, all right? I mean, they put the salad first because they are trying to fill you up so you don't get the filet mignon. You know what I'm talking about? Friends, I don't fall for that. I don't fall for those types of strategies. I just want you to know. Um, I'd even go as far as to say, like, you know, in the summertime when the grad parties are hitting, and you're getting two and three grad parties in one day, you need a strategy, you know? Some of you are careless. I watch you. You go to a grad party, not to disrespect anybody, but you got hot dogs and burgers, and you mow down on hot dogs and burgers, and the very next grad party has brisket, you know, or, or, or something that will change your life, and you have no room because you plan in a poor way. Can I get an amen in the house today? All right, all right. Well, to personally grow as well as to corporately advance Christ's kingdom, Christians and churches need a clear and a concise strategy. They really do. Um, and we better because... The enemy has a strategy. So if you want to be one of those Christians out there that just says, we don't need a strategy, you know, you can be that way, but understand the enemy has a strategy. So how many think the church should have one too? And not just the church. He was an individual Christian. So Ephesians 6, I think I told you to turn there, uh, verses 10 and 11. Apostle Paul, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Well, why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Whew. There's a lot there, friends. Um, but the devil has a scheme. He's got a strategy. Other translations use the word wiles and trickery, right? And part of the enemy's strategy, part of his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's a huge part of his plan. And you say, well, what does he want to Steal, kill, and destroy your heart, your heritage, your family. Come on now. Your marriage. We think he's out to kill. Not just physically kill. He's out to kill your dreams and your destiny. And I could go on forever, but the enemy has a strategy to take you out. So you and I need a strategy to stand. Amen. Uh, let me give you some quick definitions uh, for some certain terms that churches tend to spit out a lot. Sometimes we, we struggle understanding what, what, what they're trying to get at, but and there's some, some differences about these. I mean, I, I know some movements will, will define these things slightly different, but for the most part, um, you hear the word mission, right? And mission is the why behind what God has called us to do, Right? 
And then you have vision. Vision is the where God is calling us to go. It's the dream, right? And then you have values. Values are the who God is calling us to be, right? It's the behaviors God wants us to have. It's, it's the culture God is asking us to, to create. It's the characteristics that he wants to have in us. Those are your values, your convictions. And then strategy is the how. Strategy is how we are going to accomplish the mission God gave us, the vision and values God gave us. So once again, I'm going think strategy just might be really important. Most of you know our mission is reaching, raising, releasing, and reproducing generations for Christ. That's our mission. Our strategy is how we execute that. What are we called to do so that we execute the mission and or vision God has given us to touch generations for Christ? So number two is why is it important to have strategy? I kind of defined it already in number one. So why is it important? Well, ultimately, without a clear and concise strategy, you'll be running around in circles. All right? I'm just telling you. Some of you are like, man, that's a word for me. You want to know why it's a word for you? Because you're not valuing strategy. Plans. Let me give you two key areas of life where you'll continue to run around in circles if you do not have a strategy, if you don't get a game plan. Are you ready for these two incredible areas of life? Fitness and finances. If you don't get in the shape, if you don't get in the shape, I'm going to tell you right how many know that's on you. And the reason why you're not in shape, one huge reason is simply this, is your lack of strategy. If you want to get in the shape, get a strategy. And stay faithful to that strategy beyond February 1st. Someone say praise the Lord. Some of you are like, I got a strategy. It started on January 2nd. All right, don't you dare let the devil take you out on February 1st. Right? All right. Now, I just want you to know there's tons of apps out there to help you to get into shape and or have a strategic diet. We'll just call it a diet for lack of a better word. Now, if you do not have a personal budget, you have a poor financial strategy. You have a poor financial plan. And here's what will happen. You will continue to run around in financial circles, running and living from check to check. Now, this message isn't about a financial strategy. I'm just trying to help you to understand if, if you want to stop running from check to check, then, then, then get a financial strategy, right? Get a financial strategy, and we can help you with that. Now, this is a little tough to talk about. I want to talk to some of you faithful Lion fans out there. I want you to check out this, this circus of clowns. I mean, this, this, this circle of coaches, all right? From my perspective, they all have some poor strategies. No game plans on how to build a team. 
I just want you to know the Lions have won one playoff game since 1957. You know what that tells me? Bad strategy. Can I get an amen in the house? All right. Now it finally looks like we have a football strategy. We got a football plan on how to build a team and how to make it to the playoffs. How many know to be determined tonight at 8 o'clock? All right. You better be in prayer. All right. All right. Shoo. I just heard a go Packers. Listen, friends, the enemy is among us. Trickery and wiles and wackos. All right. All right. I'm going to go out on a limb. Say that the primary problem with our relationships, or one of the primary problems, with our relationships, our businesses, our marriage, our ministry, our family, and our parenting, is we lack a practical and a spiritual strategy. No game plan. If your kids are 12 and you're like, I don't have a game plan, you better hurry up and get one, just saying. In fact, by the time they, move, they go from 12 to 13, you better shift that plan just a little bit. Right? It's in the Bible, guys. It's, it's a strategic book. I know that when you talk, we talk about the Bible, we don't necessarily put it in the, in the stream or the vein of, 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 of being a strategic book, but it is. And I believe that one of God's most misunderstood strategies or game plans is this word partnership. God's game plan, come on now, is supernatural. It really is. The super and the natural. Here's the question. What does it have to do with partnership? What does the supernatural have to do with partnership? Because I want you to know that part of God's strategy is partnership. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. But that's part of his strategy. And it's a supernatural strategy. Well, how can partnership be a supernatural strategy? Well, because God is responsible for the super, and God's people are responsible for the natural. All right? When I say that, I'm talking about how God is responsible for the super, the miraculous. I just want you to know that's not your responsibility. Just take that off your back. Someone say praise the Lord, right? And it's, it's God's part in his strategy of partnership is he brings the powerful. And he's the one that brings the transformation. And ultimately, he's the one that saves the soul. Can I get an amen? God's people, guys, are responsible for, for the natural, right? The practical, the working, the serving, the planning, the strategizing. You're never going to get a better quote on this than D.L. Moody. He said, work like it all depends on you and pray like it all depends on God. It doesn't get much better than that. It really doesn't. Let me tell you something. The most underrated word in that sentence is the word and. That's why it's underlined. It's underrated, right? Because I don't know where you're from or what Christian stream you've been swimming down because how many know we're all fish caught by Jesus, right? But, but if you're in, if, if you're in the, I, all we do is pray stream, okay, you're going to miss out on God's ultimate plan. And if you're in the all we do is work stream, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be in big trouble and you won't accomplish God's plan. I want you to know, and is extremely underrated. He called us to do 
close. Amen. All right. So now let's kind of break down um, this whole concept of the super and the natural. We'll start off with the natural, the practical. Go to Acts chapter 2. Once again, the practical is our responsibility, our part in the partnership. It is our responsibility. So Acts chapter 2, um, we're going to read some very common stuff, starting in verse 42. Hopefully you're there. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as, as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. Kidding me? They continued to meet, meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Come on now, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Some good stuff. Listen. God did some powerful stuff just in those five, six, seven verses. Signs and wonders, saved people, increased and grew his church. I mean, you know, that's God, right? And God's people did some practical stuff. Together serving, together teaching, together praying, together praising, together giving. Together eating, praise the Lord. Think I make that stuff up? Together fellowshipping, all our responsibility, all our role. All throughout Scripture, we are God's hands and God's plans. I'm ready to wrap that. You know what I'm saying? All throughout Scripture, we are God's hands and God's plans and God's strategies. 1 Corinthians 12 calls us, he calls believers the hands of God. By the way, there's no plan B. There really isn't. God's A plan, God's strategy is partnering through his people. Did you hear that? There's no plan B. Ultimately, God's strategy, he's got something incredible that he wants to do. He wants to reach as many people as possible and see them become the most incredible disciples ever. And his plan is to do that through you and I. In the Bible, God's people were given, given strategies. Noah was given a strategy to build an ark. Noah was given a strategy to build the tabernacle. Nehemiah was given a strategy, come on now, to, to, to build a wall. David and Joshua had strategies to build armies. And Jesus has strategies to build his church. So here's the question. The question is simply this. What practical strategies or plans did Jesus give us so that we can become well-rounded disciples of his? What strategies did Jesus give us so that you and I can become healthy followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Is there some strategies out there that he gave us so that we can become powerful and fruitful followers of his? Am I making sense this morning? Now, we don't get caught up in running around in circles. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being a Christian caught up and running around in circles. So instead of being a Christian that runs around in circles, I'm going to encourage us to slow down and begin to follow the strategies that Jesus modeled. You say, well, I'm not doing that. Oh, yeah, you are, because I'm watching you. What are you doing? Serving Jesus. Are you kidding me? Who? Incredible the way Christians are just <laughs> trying to accomplish everything. And in some ways, we're not accomplishing what we could because maybe we're violating some basic strategies of Jesus. Just a crazy thought. I mean, I never get the impression that Jesus was stressed out. I, I don't get the impression that, that Jesus was freaking out. I mean, don't talk, you know what I'm talking about. I never get the impression that Jesus was stressing out, freaking out, okay, that Jesus was, was trying to catch up or keep up. How many could use a little more Jesus in your life? I mean, I, I mean, right? I don't, I, I don't get that impression. And don't tell me that people weren't tugging on him. I mean, texting wasn't even out, and they were texting Jesus. I think you understand the point. I think we have this misconception that 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 you know that Jesus, you know, uh, you know, was running around like we're running around, trying to accomplish everything. You just just look at his life. Follow his ministry. He's never stressing out, freaking out, not trying to catch up on emails, right? Keeping up with all the demands of society. How many feel like an altar call would be powerful right now? You know? There's a word in there. I believe God wants to free some of us up, help us to become healthier, more well-rounded believers. Much of what Jesus said and did not everything, but much of what Jesus said and did can be placed in one of three circles. Outside of time with God the Father, Jesus spends a lot of his time in three key practical circles. He's with the multitudes, right? He's in the large temple and or the marketplace ministering to people. He's with his team of people meeting many practical and spiritual needs. And, and Jesus is with different sized groups and or small groups of people, discipling them and sharing life with them. I would encourage you and challenge you, most of what you see Jesus doing in the New Testament, you can probably put into one of those three areas. Again, outside of his incredible time and devotion to God the Father. So our practical strategy for years, just so you know, has been these three circles. I think we've got a picture of that. The only difference between these three circles this year compared to the last 19 or so years or 20 years, okay, is we're going to put some teeth to this. And so we're going to put some teeth to this. I have got time to break this down today. I will, I will break it down as, as the weeks to come, Okay. But, but attending and inviting people to Sunday service is huge here at Rock Church. And, and, and joining a life group so that you experience community is so, so important 
right, and accountability, and, and serving on a team where you begin to give back to others who have poured into you, really, really important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we got to start here. We got to start here. If we're going to become well-rounded, healthy Christians, okay, I like to call that center spot the sweet spot. Are there other things Jesus wants us to do? Yes. Does everything we do fit in these one or three circles? Probably not. But you better start here because if you don't, you're violating some basic principles that Jesus has given us. You're with me? All right. Said that, said that, said that. All right. I haven't sung yet this year. But I'm about to break out. And sometimes when I break out, I break dance. But that ain't happening. All right. I'm going to sing a song that I've sung numerous times here at Rock Church. And this time I'm dropping the mic. It's an incredible song. I, I guy who passed away, I believe, in 2022. He's the great prophet Meatloaf. Have you heard of him? And remember one of his classic songs. I want you. I need you. But there ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. Now don't be sad. Because two out of three ain't bad. Let me tell you something about meatloaf. That's a lie. That song's a lie, all right? Because two out of three is bad. I'm here to tell you right now, two out of three of those circles is not healthy or being a well-rounded Christian. And some of us don't even have one out of three. I'd have to rewrite the whole song. Now, I didn't say that God doesn't love you and that you're not going to heaven if you don't go get involved in these three circles. Can I get an amen there? For those of you online, save your nasty comments, all right? Listen, but there's no way Absolutely no way you can reach your fullness or your potential in Christ if you violate and or neglect one or two of these circles. It, it's, it's not happening. It's not happening. Because again, you're violating three big parts of Christ's strategy, right? Worshiping together. How many think that's pretty important? Serving together, in community together, are you with me? Again, these are basic and consistent practices of Christ's disciples. Now, again, is God limited to these three circles? I will say absolutely not. But it's extremely important for you and I to get consistent to these three circles. Let me give you a little insight I've been in this thing since March of 19. Thank you. The healthiest Christians, bar none. The, the Christians that are doing the most damage to darkness, 
bar none, are the Christians who have been consistent with these types of three circles. I'm just being real. The Christians that consistently come to church and drag hell with them, right? I'm, telling, I'm just being real with you. You say, Pastor, you're being just... I'm just telling you what I've observed. The Christians that faithfully serve on a team despite the people on their team not perfect, you know, but they just they fight through it, right? The Christians that get into a, some form of community and they share life and they share their struggles and they listen to other people's life and other people's struggles, I'm telling you right now, they are the most healthy Christians and generally they're the most fruitful Christians. Now, are there some exceptions to that? Yes, I'm sure there are, but I'm telling you in general, the Christians that faithfully serve, that are faithfully in community and faithfully worship together are the ones that are making the best impact and the most impact in society. And if you want to debate me on it, you're taking me out to eat, but you're waiting till the fast is over with because I'm taking your money. All right. I want you to know, guys, you can have off the charts God-given gifts, off the charts God-given calling, off the charts God-given purpose, but miss experiencing your potential by following your own strategy or your own plan. You'll miss your potential. In fact, Proverbs 19.21, classic. Solomon, wisest man that ever lived, said this. He said, many are the plans, come on now, many are the plans in a person's heart. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose. Come on, it is the Lord's plan that prevails. And, and some of us are trying to live the Christian life with our own strategies, our own plans, and our own way, and we're wondering why we're not necessarily reaching our potential or our fullness in Christ. And I'm strongly encouraging you this year put these three circles at the center, come on now, of what God's calling you to do. I didn't say the only thing, but I'm telling you at the center of what God is calling you to do. Amen? All right, so A is the natural, the practical. B is the super. The super is the part God plays in our partnership. It's the part God plays in our plans. It's the part God plays in the purpose. Are you with me? It's God's, God's, God's touch on the strategies that we come up with, right? And I want you to know that it's very arrogant, it's very prideful, and it's very self-sufficient to think that, that it's our hands and plans that fulfill God's mission. It really is. A lot of that going on in Christianity today. I'm going to say that again. It's very arrogant. It's prideful. It's self-sufficient to think that our hands and plans, okay, are what fulfill God's vision and dreams. You think it's just you kind of a thing. Listen, you need God's hand. Let me say that again. You need God's hand. You need God's mighty hand. 
You, you need God's supernatural power to fulfill God-given mission, vision, and dreams. You just do. Some of you are great planners. You're incredible strategists. You got this great fitness strategy, and you got this great financial strategy, but you're out of shape and you're broke. Just a thought. It might be because you're not relying on God. I'm all for a great fitness strategy. You know what I want to say, but I'm going to hold back, all right? And I'm all for a great financial strategy, but don't you dare think that, that, that it, it, it's just you and your cool strategy that's going to pull it off. It's not about relying. It's, about, it's, it's not about trying. It's about relying on an incredible God. Amen? Let me give you another um, definition of strategy. Um, strategy is a plan for military operations and movements during war and battle. That's another definition of strategy, right? And I don't want to open up a can of worms or a debate, but America had a better military strategy in World War II than we did for Vietnam. Let me ask you guys a question. Put the person next to you and elbow them and say, wake up. I'm going to ask you a firm question between you and Jesus and the person who elbowed you. Do I still have to convince you that we are in a major spiritual battle? I mean, do I still have to convince you? I, mean, I, got, I, got, to, I got to show you 755 scriptures. Should I just show the news? I mean, what, what, what do I have to do to try to convince you that we're in a major what kind of battle? Spiritual battle. That's the part that many of us are, are missing. Another question, do you still think we're in a political war? I mean, you out there and you still think we're in a cultural war? You still think we're in a sexual war? Listen, our enemy is using sex, culture, and politics to take our eyes off the real war. It really is. I, I, I didn't say that, he, that those things aren't contributing. They're pawns in his ultimate plan. They really are. And if I have to come up here every two months and try to convince you that the battle we are in is spiritual, then let's just keep doing that. Let's forget the whole theme, all right? Forget about everything we're doing, but we have to understand that we are in a spiritual battle, right? We're fighting principalities and powers of darkness. We're not fighting politicians, now, is God using them? Or not God, is the enemy using them? Yeah. But that is not where our battle is. If we truly believe, if we truly believe that we are in a daily spiritual battle, then let's cry out to our supernatural God. I mean that. Because that ultimately is the proof, right? You're like, hey, we just, if we just strategize a little better, we'll pull this bad boy off. No. Just get the right person in office and, 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 and come up with some 
laws about sexuality. We'll pull this bad boy off. Listen, if we truly believe, listen, guys, that we are in a spiritual battle and it's time for the church to cry out to our supernatural God. Right? Now, all the ones that love prayer and spiritual warfare are like, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. And all you practical people are like, what's the plan? Okay? I'm telling you, Practical plan, three circles. The spiritual plan or the super plan is relying on our supernatural God. You see the difference there? So our 2023 rock theme will be circle up. Um, How many know first we got to wake up? Listen, first we got to wake up before we circle up. And I believe this, these next two statements are pretty tough and firm, but only those who take it serious to wake up will circle up. I believe that. Um, we were talking earlier about you know, if you really believe we're in a spiritual battle, cry out to our supernatural God. Well, I will also say this. If you really believe that we're in a spiritual battle, then let's engage the battle with God's strategy, not our own. Right? Those of us who do not see the urgency to wake up will struggle to circle up. I'm just being real. You're like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. I, I, I I get it. I've been there, okay? Um, I'm just telling you, for those who don't see the urgency to wake up, they will struggle to circle up. I'm trying to be sensitive a little bit because I know many of you struggle, you know, in, 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 in public gatherings and things like that. But, I, I, but outside of that, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, if you don't see the urgency to spiritually wake up, you won't see the urgency to spiritually circle up. And I can get up here and preach the best message you ever heard with the best analogy that you've ever heard, with the, with the, with the greatest stage uh, example that I could ever give. But if you don't see the urgency to spiritually wake up, you're not going to circle up. Circle up won't sound spiritual to you. Are you with me? I mean, the Bible is just loaded with stuff about circle up. Circle up is not like a new strategy. Circling up is an old, neglected strategy. It really is. I just zipped through a few things real fast. Throughout the Psalms, the opposition encircled God's people for an, a, a spiritual attack or a physical attack. The Israelites often circled around the enemy as an attack strategy. God's people marched in a circle and the walls came down. Are you with me? Jesus often taught the crowds and his followers, what? In a circle, right? In Acts chapter 1 and 2, God's people circled up and God's spirit showed up. That's pretty powerful. You get a chance, you read it. You read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, you'll see God's people circled up and God's spirit showed up. God's people 
God's people circled up. Where'd they circle up? In the upper what? In the upper room, right? And God's Holy Spirit showed up. Again, the early church practiced circling up together in prayer, in praise, in praise the Lord, in fellowship and eating. Someone say hallelujah. Stuff is biblical, praise the Lord. Read the book of Revelation. Numerous times where the angels are in a circle worshiping Jesus. It's just incredible. Now, some of you out there might be thinking, this point, this dream is, this theme is sensationalized. It's overemphasized or it's exaggerated. And I want to encourage you to wake up because I'm only scratching the surface. It's in Acts 14, 19 through 21. The Jews arrived from Antioch. And having won over the crowd, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. But the disciples formed a, but the disciples, but the disciples formed a, circle around him, and he got up. Maybe all you need to get up is for God's people to circle up. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just asking. Maybe you need to form a circle around some Christians facing opposition and or trials. Just a crazy thought. Maybe you and I need to form a circle around some, some, some Christian that, that is standing up for righteousness and or holiness. Maybe we need to form a circle around a spiritual leader or two facing opposition and or persecution. Do you have any idea what, what, what spiritual leaders are going through as they try to take a stand for righteousness and holiness? Maybe our role, and I'm not just talking about myself. I'm not trying to be self-serving here. I'm talking about anybody and everybody who's trying to uh, take a stand for truth. Maybe if the church would circle up and support them, they would feel their arms lifted up and they would continue to stand up. It's just a crazy thought. Instead of looking at Christian leaders and finding two or three things that they don't do well and going out to big boys to talk about it, you know? You talk about shallow Christianity. Stuff people are going through today, they need one another to circle up. Someone say amen. And I don't know if you noticed, but in that verse, it's just crazy. It jumped out at me. It says that the crowd was won over. Did you see that? And the, today the crowds are winning people and culture over. I'm going to say it again. The crowds are winning people and culture over. And, and you might or might not get stoned or martyred, but you will face persecution and or opposition by religious and or worldly crowds. Because today what's going on is, is, is crowds that I never thought could be won over 
are being won over to the lie, to, to, to stuff that's not true. How many know what I'm talking about, right? That's what's going on big time. And once again, I just want to encourage you. I'm telling you right now, we, if, if we will just stand up together and circle up together through this stuff, the power of God that, that can, can ooze out of us into a culture that desperately needs a touch from Jesus, that stuff can happen again. Someone say amen. Whew. I want you to know that circle up is not, not a gimmick. Try to get you to join a group. Or a gimmick to try to get you on a team. Nor is circle up a cheesy kumbaya slogan. Praise the Lord. It's not a kumbaya cry. Circle up is a rally cry. Oh, let me push that to the side. It, it, it's a battle cry. It's a war cry. Are you with me? It's a battle cry and it's a war cry. Now, Jeff was doing video. Make sure you pay attention to me and my incredible pace. Um, I'm going to show you a scene um, from the movie The Gladiator. And um, just so you know, our online community, you're not going to be able to watch this scene due to social media legalities. It's only a little bit over a minute. Talking to you guys. Um, and we'll be right back. It's a little gory. So if you have some kids in here, parental guidance is advised. Okay? Um, but it's nothing that you ain't seen before. Just saying. Now listen, this is really important. Please listen to what Maximus Russell Crowe says to the other gladiators. Go for it, Jeff. We have a better chance of survival if we work together, if we circle up. 
we stay together, if we circle up. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I believe that that's a pathetic and a strategic strategy for today's Christians and today's local churches. I've shifted it around a little bit to say this. Whatever, whatever comes out of the gates of hell, we have a better chance of survival and revival if we stay together and we work together. If we stay together, circle up. If we work together, circle up. We have a better chance of what? Survival and revival. That scene is baby food compared to what's going on in today's spiritual realm. Baby food. You're like, I'm so glad we're not in that era anymore. What's going on today is 10 times that in the spirit realm. That's seen as baby food compared to what's going on in today's schools, in today's marriages. What you saw in that scene, spiritually speaking, that's what's going on in today's marriages. Today's ministries, in your homes. That's why I don't come over, just kidding. I'm telling you, that's the kind of stuff that's going on in our heritages. I think we take a, I say we take a stand and circle up. You know what I'm saying? That's, what, that's what's going on. It's just baby food, that scene. Today, obstacles. Opposition and today's onslaught of spiritual warfare will take out sheep on the fence. Just being real. I ain't got time to break that down. But if you got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, you're gonna be taken out. You're not gonna make it. The onslaught of warfare that's happening today, you think you're gonna make it through that? Today's obstacles and opposition and onslaught of spiritual warfare will take sheep out who are compromising. I ain't got time to dive into that too much. But if you're a sheep in here and you're compromised, if you're a sheep in here, I'm going to say it, and you are sleeping around with somebody who is not your spouse, I'm telling you right now, you're going to be taken out. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Today's obstacles and opposition and onslaught of spiritual warfare will take out, take out sheep into deceptive teachings. And some of you, I had to get on Facebook. Because some of the stuff you were liking, Jesus didn't like. And, and, and some of it was teaching and preachers, and it was heresy, and you're liking it because the guy's high energy and emotional. How many know it's got to line up with this thing called the B-I-B-L-E? You know what I'm saying? You're going to be taken out or circle up. These obstacles and opposition and onslaught of spiritual warfare will take out sheep who are alone. I don't know too many sheep physically that make it all by themselves. They need a flock. 
Amen? And they need a shepherd, right? So I can do it all on my own. You have no idea what I've been through in the church. I have a feeling I know what you've been through in the church. And it's better together. It's better together. Some of you that have had seasons where you're like, forget it. I'm just going to do this thing alone. How's that working for you? And I don't mean that in a mean way. I don't know what you've been through, but, but we'll talk about hurt quite a bit this year because I understand that many people that have circled up have been hurt by the people in the circle. That's a whole other message. doesn't give us an excuse to say, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in that circle. You won't survive on your own. So I don't know if I agree with you, all this falling away and stuff like that. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The great apostasy... The great rebellion is already coming to pass. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the great falling away that the Apostle Paul talked about. People are falling away from basic, biblical, foundational truths and practices. They're just kicking them to the curb. As if there's no value in those things today. Exactly what the Apostle Paul prophesied would happen. Are you with me? Circle up is about the great need to be and stay together. That's what it's about, guys. I want you to listen to some together insights from the scriptures. Listen to some of these. I'm going to spit them out pretty fast. The Bible says we are put together. The Bible says we, we are joined together. The Bible says we are built together. The Bible says we are members together. The Bible says we are heirs together. God's word says we are fitted together. God's word says we are held together. And God's word says we will be caught up and or raptured together. Together. I'm just here to tell you, if the word together bothers you, you're going to struggle in heaven. Because you're going to be there together. With a lot of people that you couldn't believe made it. Someone say amen. amen. Put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, caught up together, and let's stand up together. Whew. All right, I'm going to lose my mind here at the end. Some of you are like, too late for that. You know, there's not a lot of room. Got a pretty good-sized crowd. I'm going to ask you to do your best to pack out this carpet, pack out this altar. Nice and tight. fancy words here. Yeah, I've been talking to Pastor Steve this week. How many of you have ever heard the word beseech? Well, as your, as your shepherd, I beseech you. I urge you to wake up and to circle up. I'm pleading I'm compelling 
So I didn't agree with one little point on page three. I didn't agree with it either. I can't believe I said it, all right? But you know what I do agree with? The need to wake up and circle up. If we can't agree with that, then you might as well just go burn your book. I'm urging you. I'm pleading with you to wake up and to circle up. Hell is rising up. We better circle up. Evil is rising up. It is time to circle up. Are you with me? You're not going to make it alone. You're not going to make it annoyed. And you're not going to make it offended. All right? You might get to heaven. We can debate that one. But you're not going to take anybody with you if that's what you're caught up in. You were not called to reach this generation on your own. You were called to raise your kids on your own. Are you hearing me? You were called to raise your kids in a church community. It's really important. And some of you are trying to raise your kids all on your own, and I don't mean this in a mean way. You're violating biblical principles because they need to be around Christians so that we have the power to influence them. We'll talk about that more next week. You're not going to reach your potential. I'm urging you. I'm beseeching you. I'm pleading with you because some of you have incredible potential and you haven't even scratched the surface and it's probably because you're violating one of the three circles. Whatever the reason might be. It might be something that I didn't even talk about but, 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 but I'll tell you what, if it is something that I didn't talk about, I guarantee you one of two things, right? If you, if you hang out in any of those three circles, it'll come to the surface and God will show you. Because some of us were in the exact same spot we are this year that we were a year ago because we violated some of God's principles and we're mad at God. How many still love their pastor? I urge you, I, I beseech you to wake up and circle up. Together, we circle up, raise up, and disciple up this and the next generation. Together, we circle up and we fight the battle of mental health, anxiety, depression, and suicide. Together, we bomb abuse, any form of abuse. Together, we bomb addiction. Together, we bomb spiritual apathy. It's together. Together, brick by brick, we build healthy hearts and healthy heritages. Together we do that. Again, I beseech you, I urge you to wake up and circle up. The sexual revolution of the 60s was baby food compared to our sexual identity crisis happening today. Just baby food. The porn industry has strategized targeting our elementary kids to have their minds and their money for their lifetime. We gotta circle up. Political ideologies are out for more than your vote. They want your soul. Circle up. Politicians right now are strategizing a one world government. We better, be, we better circle up. We circle up against, come on now, false religions. We circle up against 
fortune telling. We circle up against new age lies and pluralism and, and reconstruction and redefining of the faith. Not in a self-righteous way, but we circle up against false teachers, false preachers, false prophets, and false movements. We circle up against false gospels that are either legalistic or grace abuse. Either side of that, we circle up against either one of those. And we circle up for the hurting and the spiritually hungry. Somebody say amen. We wake up and we circle up for repentance and for regeneration and for redemption and for reconciliation. And we wake up and we circle up for one faith, one hope, one way, one truth, one life, and one Lord. We wake up and we circle up. Together. I don't want to just survive. I don't want just survival. I want revival. But that happens together. Final quote and then some prayer and some praise. A circle has no beginning or end, right? And it is tough to penetrate and take down people who circle up. Let me say that again. That's the heartbeat of at least today's message and a big part of our theme. A circle has no beginning or end, and it is tough to penetrate and take down people who circle up. It really is. And the enemy, he's trying to take you out. Don't think he isn't. But if you're circling up, you have a better opportunity. You have a better opportunity. You have a better opportunity to continue to stand. And the enemy will not penetrate our circle. Amen? This song we're going to sing has absolutely nothing to do with our theme. other than the fact of why we circle up and who we circle up for. Amen. Stay here. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.